This is On The Radar, coming at you with episode number 26. I can't believe we've gotten to 26 episodes, especially during this crazy time of pandemic where, coronavirus pandemic, where sports are not going on, television shows have halted production on their current seasons, the the next seasons, you know, for the new shows that are starting, and movies have stopped as well and gone sometimes over to streaming instead of the movie theater business. Now, as always, we'll talk about local sports, national sports, and pop culture. Due to coronavirus, a lot of things have been screwed around. UFC 249 will be played in May in Florida. People are donating for the coronavirus. Khalil Mack is donating 350k. RJ Barrett donating 250k to Canada and New York. Westbrook's donating laptops to children. Jeremy Lin is donating 500k. And matching it, Mike Mayock is going to in the draft that's coming up this week, the NFL draft. It's one thing that I like the drafts. I'm all about the draft, who gets picked and where they go, especially since I was in middle school following college football and college basketball to see who the local teams would take, and they never would take the guy that they were supposed to. But yeah, Mike Mayock, the former NFL network analyst, who's now the GM of the Raiders the last couple of years, he is going to donate $1,000 per pick, and they have all seven other draft picks this year. They'd also have a Bears pick, so, you know, that's a really good, uh, good job for them. They, got, they can donate there. Now, in other news, unfortunately, some of the famous people passed away. Tom Lester of Green Acres passed away. Gene Dyke, 90, he was a Gene Dyke, who was 95. He was the animated Tom and Jerry passed away. Gary McSpadden, a gospel singer, died at 77. And Brian DeHomney died at 8. Longtime actor, uh, you know, plays and drama. Howard Finkel, the WWE ring announcer, passed away at 69. Saul Turtletop, 87, he passed away. He wrote for Sanford and Son, That Girl, and What's Happening as well. And then. Some other news in the end uh, about coronavirus. Von Miller is the most popular football player to have recently said he had coronavirus and he's doing better. Then there was Brian Allen, a, a player on the Rams. He was the first one to be diagnosed with, in the NFL with that. And then Chargers employees as well. Masters have been moved all the way to November. So that is something to remember if you like golf. It's going to be all the way in November. Interesting tidbit, Tamara Moore, former WNBA player, she's become the first female head coach to coach a college men's team for this upcoming season. Spencer Dinwiddie, with the Olympics being pushed back to next year, has let everybody know that he's going to play for the Nigerian team to the guy's citizenship. And as somebody who wrote an article years ago, you should check it out, call to action to all the players who are Jewish because their parents are Jewish or grandparents who are Jewish. All any Jewish connection to play for Team Israel, because that's what's better. The best way to grow any sport is to take the players that play in the United States and have them play for other countries so they have some sort of chance to be in the tournaments, you know, no matter if it's FIFA tournament, World Baseball Classic, or the Olympics, no matter what sport it is. If it's basketball, if it's baseball, if it's hockey, it's soccer, it's whatever it is you want to do that. So I congratulate him to do it, because Anthony Rizzo, the Cubs... He's not born in Italy, but he's a third-generation Italian, and he played for Team Italy once before. So I think if you have any connection to a country, might as well play for them. Now, in the WNBA, dealing with the COVID-19, Stephanie Dolson, who plays Chicago Sky, revealed that she and her whole entire family also uh, got the COVID-19 coronavirus, and they're doing better now, but they're, they're they're doing a lot better, unfortunately, as I said last week. 
Carlos the Town lost his mother to it. So some have worked out well and some have not. And interesting, the WNBA did a virtual draft. Nothing wrong with it. Watched the whole entire thing. You know, the commissioner was in her house in Jersey. She announced the pick, held the jersey up. They showed the camera shot of most of the draftees in their house. They had a studio analyst hosting it with a former WNBA player, Rick Lobo, giving up their analysis of who they should take next, gradings of the pick and whatnot. Then they had Holly Rowe, sideline reporter for WNBA, interviewing them from where she was, where they are on Zoom and stuff. And it worked pretty well. The most interesting was Tina Charles, one of the best WNBA players of all time, was traded to... Washington who just won the championships. They got another great player from this from the New York Liberty, and they got three picks: first, second round, and third pick. And they also got a twelfth overall pick in trades, in general. Then they took, then the Liberty took their own second round, their own second round pick, and one of the three picks they got from the, the Washington. So they took Washington's first round pick and their own second round pick. And got themselves a ninth and a 15 round pick. So just remember, they still have the second round pick and the third round pick from Washington, and they still have the 12th overall. So they went from having their own first round pick. Okay, they had their own first round pick, which I was one, number one overall. They have they have they have Washington's second and third round pick. Then they got the 12th overall pick as well. So they're drafting first and 12th before this whole entire trade was impact. The second part of this trade. Okay, then they had Washington second and third round pick as well. Then they made this trade with Dallas where they got the ninth and the 15th. So they had the first overall pick, the 12th and ninth and 15th, and second and third round pick. So they like basically have, have done what I don't know how many football teams could ever say, or even, you know, basketball team. They completely are drafting their team overnight. So that was very interesting to see pre-draft night trade of an all-time great with all these draft picks going around and with the whole NFL draft being in, on Thursday night through the rest of the weekend, which I wish they extended it to seven days a week. Will the draft. We don't know with all the Zoom thing and this GMs not being with their scouting department and all the other front office members and the head coach and getting actually to meet with players and stuff, if they're going to make some of these like blockbuster big moves on draft day or during the draft that's, you know, just before the draft because of not the, all the communication, they being in the same room with each other, technical glitches. So it's interesting to see if the WNBA makes spark some other team to make moves like that that will, you know, be major. And then because of no sports being on, they released that huge Jordan documentary, The Last Dance, like the last year they knew all would be together. Ten-part documentary, they're showing two at a time. I have personally not watched it yet. I plan on having at least maybe four episodes all on and then watching four at a time and just binge watching it. But do, but one of the things that leaked out was Scottie Pippen no longer works for the Bulls. Like he was, you know, working for them as a special advisor assistant. That's gone, so that's interesting. And the Bulls also have interviewed Chicago native and Dallas Maverick front office exec Michael Finley for the GM role. So our tourist is looking for a GM that the two of them can work together and fix the team. So the Bulls are continuing to do that. Now, because there's been no Major League Baseball season to even start yet, Jackie Robinson Day was supposed to be the other day on the 15th. So none of the players wore the jerseys, all of them 42. There was no ceremonies and stuff. I'm, I'm wondering when baseball starts if they're going to pick a day to honor him where they all wear 42 because that would be interesting. And the only baseball news that have really been happening is the Korean Baseball League has said they're going to start in early May. 
So hopefully that means that if they can get it under control, the United States, the base, Major League Baseball can. Because originally they wanted to do a plan where they all play in Arizona. Now they have a new plan of playing in three states. The state of Texas was pretty big in space style. And the fact that Florida's been deemed as a state that sports are essential that the governor said they can play in. And they have all the spring training sites as well, besides from the Marlins and the Devil, the, the, the Rays, excuse me. And then you got college teams like Miami University's got a nice baseball stadium because of A-Rod and stuff. So you got Arizona, Major League, spring training, minor league, and college like Florida. And then you got a huge state of Texas. So that could be a possibility. So it's not just all in one place. It could be split around. That's an interesting. Unfortunately, like uh, coaches and minor league managers and front office members that do minor league teams and everybody that works at these ballparks around the United States, everybody going down from the guy, the janitor, all the way to the guy who makes the roster moves. They're in the new baseball bar collective bar agreement. They're going to eliminate 42 of the minor league baseball teams. Because for most teams, you got a double A, triple A, and a single A. But then some teams have a high and a low single A. Then they got themselves rookie ball. So it's not just having the you know the four there. You got rookie ball would be five. Then you got Dominican League, Arizona leagues. You got all these minor league teams that people are going to lose their jobs for, which I don't. I'm not agreeing on it as well. And then Rob Wooten, former major league reliever, he announced his retirement as well. And then the Red Sox punishment came down. Alex Cora, like the the Astros, where he who he played for, like his, you know, AJ Hinch and the GM Lunau, he's been suspended through the 2020 season, including the playoffs. So whenever the season starts and the playoffs end, he will he won't be playing. In football last week, everybody's making a big deal about Zach, Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott attending a party with 30 people, and the cops showing up. He claiming that it's not doesn't make a good look on him if the Cowboys want to pay him or not. Besides from the franchise tag. But it's just a minor thing. He didn't do something great. Ooh, Ezekiel Elliott had got in trouble so many times, and the dude has held out, and he still got all of his money. So I think this is a little bit smaller on the scale of stuff that Ezekiel Elliott has done. As long and then full football, the Chargers released New Jersey's, the Patriots and the Browns. Patriots ones look, eh, the Browns look pretty much similar, and the Chargers look almost the same as well. Now the Bears cut Trey Burton the other day. He hasn't been healthy, so it doesn't make any sense. And with the with the Buccaneers having two tight ends, the Bears can maybe trade for a tight end because they just traded a fourth-round pick to acquire Rob Gronkowski and a seventh-round pick from the Patriots. When Gronkowski was retired, he's doing WWE and the Mass Singer spoiler and all these other things that he's not actually playing. But I guess really just wanted to get away from Bill Belichick for a year. And Belichick goes, fine, you can have Gronk because he's still under contract. And a draft pick, just give me a better draft pick. And the the uh, that would just means that the Buccaneers now have O.J. Howard and Cameron Braid and Rob Gronkowski. May not be the same player he has been because of due to injuries and concussions, but just his presence out there and him blocking wise, that would give the uh, the Buccaneers three tight ends. So if they have three tight ends, they could always trade an O.J. Howard to a team like the Bears who need a good tight end. Brady, speaking of him, who's been in living in Jeter's you know home in Florida. Not enough room that he, that, you know, somebody reported him for working out in the park. You know, come on, people, figure out something else to worry about. And then Lamar Jackson's been announced as the cover of the Madden game. Whenever that's, I don't know how that's going to work with all the people making the game if they're not all at work, if they can do it from home, when it's going to be released, people can pick it up. That's interesting that he had an MVP season like the previous year, like Patrick Mahomes, he's on the cover. Now, a little bit sad news 
Bob Oliver, former Pirates, Kansas City Royal Angels, and Yankees player, died at 77. And Bobby Winkle's former Sox minor leaguer, former Angels, and A's manager, who's on the 1974 A's team as, you know, coach as well. And he coached the Giants, and he works for the Expos, and is famous for being an Arizona State coach. He passed away at 96. Tomas Garcia, 63, died. He was a two-time All-Star, a silver slugger, and he played for the Yankees, Jays, Braves, and Expos. And with football players, Mike Curtis, 77, who played for the Colts, won a Super Bowl and NFL championship, was a four-time Pro Bowler and a two-time first All-Pro. He passed away. Hall of Famer Willie Davis of the Packers won five NFL championships, two Super Bowls, was a five-time Pro Bowler, and was a five-time All-First Pro. He also passed away. So two legendary football players, two two baseball players, and a former baseball manager passed away. Now, the NBA, as I said, have been trying to do things. They did the NBA 2K Players Tournament that Devin Booker won. So they did the horse tournament over a one-week period with WNBA, retired players, and current players. So Allie Quigley, WNBA player, she lost to Zach Levine, who has this huge court outside of his house, and she's just playing in a small little thing on her garage in like a plastic hoop. And Billups got his own special court outside. He lost to Mike Conley. It looks like he his own professional gym inside, like for a middle school or high school, like a small-sized gym. Eventually, Mike Conley beat Zach Levine in the championship round, so he won the horse competition. Maybe they're going to do a slam dunk competition or other things as well, but... It, was a little, it wasn't as exciting because of all the missed shots, all the talking that Mark Jones did with them, asking them things. It was just, come on, just shoot the ball, do your trick shot, and finish it up. So it wasn't necessarily the most exciting thing possible, but it was at least giving us something to do. Because Major League Baseball did not telecast their uh, MLB The Show tournament, nor did they NFL cast the Madden tournament. It's just been either online, streaming, occasionally showing highlights on their network. At least NBA said we're showing the 2K tournament and the horse tournament. It's very hard for Major League Baseball to do like a home run derby or a, any pitching sort of tournament because you guys kind of need people. You got to need the space in the area to do it. They could do an NFL skills competition where they ask the players to put all their things up and do all the things outside. But that's like a whole thing they do in Orlando, like at the you know ESPN place there. That is not something they can actually do. But for hungered sports fans, you got the Last Dance Jordan documentary that was on Sunday night. It's going to show two episodes every week, pretty much. And it's going to be, there's going to be replays, it's going to be on streaming. You're going to get it. They kind of have to rush to do it because the goal was in the summer when there wasn't basketball, football, or hockey on. It would be something to do. And then in other news, hockey, speaking of hockey, they've also announced that the idea of playing in, you know, one of the Dakotas, playing in New Hampshire, playing in Sakasu, Canada. I, they can't, they're thinking about playing in their own stadium so that those stadiums, you know, can actually get some sort of revenue or something. So they that's what they're doing. They're going to scrap the alternate locations that are played in the middle of nowhere. Guess what? I don't care if the NBA plays in Vegas. I don't care if they plays on a cruise line or they play in small cities. What I want the NBA to do is figure out a way to get all the players and the coaches and the front office people, the minimal amount of people you need, referees, you know, you know, get cameras that could be stationary and you have somebody in a one person deciding which of the angles are best. Like it's one person to be the manager of the whole entire thing, like a director and just put a bunch of cameras out there on different angles. We have all the technology to have drones and other cameras and things that don't need somebody to operate. Yeah, it takes away from a job. Get somebody to broadcast it, play the postseason, play the hockey postseason the exact same way. And baseball, if you want to start in those three cities first, 
and then do the All-Star Game and the Home Run Derby and the Celebrity Game. You know, all in the place that's supposed to be played. Nobody else comes in there. In the second half of the season, you can start letting people go back to the, the cities that they play in. That would be great. Now, so when and that's when it comes to the sports world has been impacted by COVID-19. The celebrities who have passed away not due to COVID-19, but there's the pop culture world. So as I told you last week, Man with a Plan being his fourth season and being disrespected about not starting when the show started in September, October, starting you know one one year November, then starting in the springtime, winter, you know the second part of this calendar year for TV show that they've also had less and less episodes when they started off with like 22. Well, the thing is that I'm most upset about is that was probably the best half-hour sitcom on the network that obviously isn't Young Sheldon. I can't make an opinion on Mom, but it is the longest one, so that means it has to be good. And The Neighborhood, which had two seasons, is pretty darn good, but it's pretty new, along with the others. That CBS's best one-hour show has been God Friend of Me. Sorry to all the people that sit there and watch all the NCISs. They watch Madam Secretary. They just ended. Hawaii Five-O, a remake that should never been made. Remake. Magnum P.I. remake. Magnum P. Uh, you know, MacGyver remake. The long-running show Blue Blood. You know, they had a new show on Thursday Night's Evil. And they have had a new show Tommy. And they had SEAL Team and SWAT that are pretty good shows. But again, SWAT remake, SEAL Team, not original idea. And then the FBI shows and FBI must want it. There have been so many shows about FBI and, and movies about FBI. It's just another Dick Wolf project. What has really been the best show has been God's friend of me, sorry, Brandon Michael Hall, Joe Morton playing the father, you know, the other people that are in the show, you know, the one that plays his love interest, you know, uh, Violet Bean, she's a good actress, and his best friend, the tech guy, you know, the Indian Pakistani guy, he was in a horror movie recently, so he's done stuff. The woman who plays his sister, Allie's great. The one who plays his new stepmom has been great. They had Judd Hirsch guest star. They had Carl Lumley guest star. They've had a lot of very good guest stars on the show. And the whole point of the show is the guy gets friended by God. He doesn't, you know, understand why he's an atheist on his podcast. Then he eventually becomes a millennial, you know, the uh, the millennial prophet, you know, who's, you know, atheist and his father is a, you know, runs a whole church for all these years. Then he becomes the bishop eventually, et cetera, et cetera. Sister's driving psychology, being a social worker. He dates, you know, Violet Bean's character, Kara, and she's a journalist. His friend's like a tech guy, and he's working in a middling job, but then he becomes in charge of it. All these things like that, and every time they meet somebody, they sometimes go back to them like a PI guy, a lawyer guy. All these things. The woman who got the God, the friend request suggestions when he wasn't getting them. All these things. The show's been great, man. You know, he figures, he, and every episode, he has to figure out what's wrong with the person, because he got the suggestion, they get hints from the God account. They're trying to they help everybody every episode, but at the same time, they're trying to figure out in terms of tracking down technology-wise who the person is, who knows all these things. And certain people they meet also help them along the way to do it. The fact that it, every episode's uplifting, it's got good messages, it's about helping others. You may not be a religious Christian, Jew, or Muslim, or all the other religions in the, in the world, but it shows you that there's good in everybody. You should Everybody deserves a second chance. Everybody deserves help no matter what. It's a clean show. There's not sex scenes, there's not violence, there's not swear words. It's just a really clean show. Well, of course, obviously, because the father is a religious leader in the community, that's a different story. But, yeah, it's a very good story. Greg Berlanti, the guy who does all the CW shows and plenty of other shows, I was like, wow, he's 
He's not doing specifically CW shows. He has his hand in blind spot on NBC. He's made a lot of very good shows, so I'm not surprised that he is the person behind this. I feel like the show was a, you know, you know, one of the best shows I've seen in years. It was the best show on CBS. There's really nothing wrong about it except for somewhat overdramatic scenes, the lighting sometimes, but that's not a big deal. Now, the good thing was Greg Berlanti and everybody who creates, writes, directs the show, producers, all of them, they were told ahead of time by CBS. So they are going to show a two-hour finale. They just showed the episode, which would have been the 20th episode season, which they had 20 last year. So I said, okay, 20 episodes, back-to-back seasons. Not bad. Then they're going to two-hour finale, which would mean they get to 22. And I was like, wow, that's even better. But the fact that it's a two-hour finale, all the questions are still going to be, are they going to figure out who's behind the God account? And why they did it, is Allie going to get better from her cancer treatment from the person? Because every time they got it suggested, it made people's lives better. It helped them out. So, And he, one of the reasons he was doing it, because he continued to do it, because he thought he'd find a way to help her. One of the reasons that he's continuing to do it and trying to figure out who it is, is so that maybe he and Kara can have a relationship, because it screwed up the relationship with a friend suggestion. Spoiler, obviously. Sorry to say that afterwards. But yeah, relationship with his sister and the woman that should be, he should be with. His relationship with his father have all been affected by the God account. So those all things that he's got to figure out who's behind it and why. His friend also wants to know too because his relationship got screwed up with his girlfriend as well. All the the question will be all these questions will you know Miles get all these questions answered for him personally and how it affects every single person in his life and why they're all brought together. I don't know until I watch it to our finale and I and I get back to you on that. There's not going to be you know. The reasons why this whole entire show decided this this they were if they were told ahead of time you would think maybe they would be able to in that two-hour finale answer every single question either he stopped being with the god he, the god front the god account stops you know using him he no longer gets the friend suggestions he can move on with his life with his sister and his girlfriend and his father and his stepmother and his best friend and everything can move on and they can end it no cliffhangers no oh we haven't figured out the mystery we don't get the answers you want. Because Berlanti and his crew of producers, directors, and writers will get a whole entire like outrage from the public who watches this show. Because already there's an outrage that CBS canceled and everybody's saying, how dare you cancel it? Maybe Berlanti picks it up front CW because he has shows on there. Maybe NBC or ABC pick it up or it becomes a streaming show or a cable show, things like that. And I have no problem if it got picked up by the CW or another broadcast network or a cable or streaming show because then it can live on. But obviously it would get stale. Every single week, if they just get a friend suggestion, they go help them, yada, 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 just go through the motions. And the show was on for 10 years, like a Law and Order or a, you know, a, or a, you name it, a show, NCIS show, just goes continuing to be on the air, just to be on the air, and they're running out of thing. They've done a lot of great character development, a lot of great scenes that have, you know, stories that have pushed them even further to the brink, where it's like this, this, and that. Because you'd have it slowly, he likes her. Then they go out, then they get together, yada, yada, yada. All that stuff, the sister problems, his best friend stuff, and his father's journey to being bishop and getting remarried after not being with, you know, being dating really anybody since his wife passed away, who died of cancer and all, the, and, and a car accident, all that stuff. They they took all these leaps of leads of figuring out who's behind it. This tech guy, that tech guy, this person, that person isn't this guy. No, it's not. Is it that guy? Is it DARPA? Is it all these things? Did a very good job of like pushing the envelope of getting getting really close to figuring out all the answers that I said maybe like Michael Sherwood with a good place where he knows that the show is not going to be a five to ten year sitcom it's going to only be on 
for, you know, a couple of years. Because The Good Place had four seasons. That's the thing. They had four seasons. Michael Schur knew at the head of time that that was going to be the way he wanted to tell the story. So if Berlanti and his crew of people will go, this story could only go for like three, four seasons, less than five, I would have taken it. They would have been like, we're deciding that we're going to end it. But the idea, I could accept that Berlanti and his crew decided to make that. We know how long we're going to tell the story. It's not going to be a five to ten year show. And we're going to end less than five seasons, three to four on their own terms. Because Michael Schur was able to do that on his own terms for a lot of his shows. I'm feeling like Berlanti should be able to on his own terms do this. And that's what I was hoping. But nah, CBS go, sorry. We're canceling the best one-hour scripted show on TV because it's fresh, original, new idea. It's not a reboot, remake, revival, taking the idea from somewhere else. It's uplifting. It's clean. It's got good message. helps other people out. It's a great cast. Great acting from the main character. It's very believable. But they tell you, oh, no. Season 2 has had a dip in views from Season 1. Who cares that a little dip in season one from season two? Who cares that now you have stupid NCISs all over the place on Sunday night that they're getting the higher ratings on Sunday? I always thought that all the NCISs should be one night. The FBI should be one night with SWAT. And a show like SEAL Team, and if they renew Tommy or Evil, those shows be on the similar night. It's not a crime procedural procedural show. And maybe you would take Blue Bloods and you put it on the same night as you put the shows like you know, SEAL Team or SWAT or the FBI shows or, F, you know, FBI and Evil, all those shows all together and maybe put it on a different night. Because it doesn't really fit with any of the shows. That's the thing. It stood out because it doesn't fit with their silly procedural cop, FBI, political, investigative journey work. Like, yes, they investigate stuff because one of the main characters is an investigative journalist and the other one's a podcaster. But the point is, maybe it's like that to be because I, I'm right here now recording podcasts. Not a big fan of religion, not the biggest closest relationship to his parents or family, things like that. One, one, somebody want to hear his own voice, but man, if there's an episode, the one with Judd Hirsch, you should go watch it. It made me cry. It made many people cry. It was one of the best episodes of TV I've ever seen. It's a very good show. To tell me it dipped in ratings in season two and it's not doing as well as the other Sunday night shows that are just spinoffs, it's baloney. I'm glad that CBS, on the other hand, is telling me, oh, we checked into, like, the DVR playback, and it's one of the lowest-ranking shows on our network and in general on television on DVR. Well, it's nice to know that CBS has jumped into the 20, 20, the year 2020 in the, in, the 20 sec, in the 21st century of doing this, that it can't just be the archaic thing of you have to be a Nielsen family and check the rating. No, you got to look at on-demand. You got to look at DVR playbacks. You got to look at streaming on your websites from somebody's computer, you know, Streaming it from the apps, you know, on your tablet or your phone. That's what you got to look at. So at least in one hand, there's telling you, oh, it's bad in the DVR playbacks, but then it's dipping in review. So it kind of goes contradicts each other. They're doing with new stuff, but then they're also doing good stuff. But it's also like the outrage on the internet. So until they show that two-hour finale, and if it wraps up everything, then you can applaud CBS for doing the thing. But I'm not going to go right now and applaud CBS for doing this, even if they told them ahead of time. So that's what I'm trying to say, is that if if CBS, who told them ahead of time, gives them the ability to tell the story and end it the way it's supposed to be, 
fine, you can give them credit, but I'm never going to give CBS the benefit of the doubt or the credit until after their checks have been cashed. For Atlante and his crew, if they're told ahead of time, whoop de freaking do that they're he- they're told ahead of time. It's not going to really do anything if they can't really tell the full story they want, if they're not able to answer all the questions they want, and they feel like they have to be rushed into telling the end of the story when they're not ready. Dip in rating season two, not great in playbacks, which is very progressive of you, should not equal let's cancel it. Why don't you wait until the season's over with, get back to them in the summer, like later on. Because right now we're all dealing with this coronavirus. There's no way that they would be able to, let's say, film a TV movie or film more episodes and do all these things to try to end the show. It's nice that they got it in and we're got all, t- and we going to get 22 instead of 20 like they did in every season. But until you wait now with the upfronts in May like and, and people still... I feel like CBS should wait till this coronavirus is done before making this rash decision on ending some of their best shows because they continue to have all these remakes, reboots, and spinoffs and taking ideas that aren't very uh, fresh. Now, quickly, NBC. You picked up one of the most popular sitcoms on television, one of the most popular shows of all time, one of the best cop shows of all time. That's half-hour format like Barney Miller. It's the second greatest after Barney Miller. It went from 22 episodes on Fox to 18 on NBC. Fine. You wait till it debuts in the springtime, so maybe you have left episodes. But this season, 13 episodes when two NBC shows basically are failing. Indebted may not have got its final episode, but that's a failure. Sunnyside's a failure, got removed quickly and going on the streaming. Perfect Harmony, if it comes back in limited release, it's only going to be on for a certain amount of episodes. Good Place ended, and Will of Grace Revival ended. What are you realistically going to have? From September, October through May, NBC, in half-hour sitcoms, outside of Superstore, you're going to have absolutely zilch. Even if Perfect Harmony is on limited release, you, you have Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Brooklyn Nine-Nine should start in October, November, and go all the way through May like you do with the Superstore. Or at least have 15 to 18. Don't go from 18 to 13. At least start at 15. Because you're already behind the ball in sitcoms. Because CBS has two nights, and ABC sometimes has three nights. You just do it. One night with a lot of SVU and just a dumb thing. So, thanks for listening to On the Radar, episode 26, where we always talk about local, national, and national sports and pop culture. Remember to like my page on On the Radar Entertainment blog on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at Radar4428. Subscribe to me on YouTube on On the Radar. Download your podcast on Google, Apple, and Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast for On the Radar as well. Long-form articles at Blogger for Radar 4428. Thanks for listening to episode number 26. For On the Radar, I'm Radar. See you guys next week.